Welcome to NostalgiaCast, your weekly roundup of the best and most up-to-date nostalgic news, where we discuss the stories and give our thoughts. I am your host, who would have owned a house by now, but I'm addicted to avocado toast, Andrew Price. He would have owned a house by now, but he's addicted to van living. Tyler Palo, straight from the van. <laughs> Our roving world reporter. Where in the world is Tyler Palo? And was that a weird, were you trying to <laughs> that, tip? I was doing her hat. She had that long build hat, so I was hiding under it, and then I showed my face. <laughs> and... <laughs> Dad Beats, a.k.a. special guest <laughs> intro writer Beats, <laughs> a.k.a. Kirkman Sean. Dad Beats! What's up, guys? What's going on? Stop! Nothing much. You know, just another week, another Thursday. Just, just another day of living like I'm living. All's going good for me. Had to got, get up early this morning to do some do some errands uh, that were, all ended up just being a complete waste of time. Oh yeah, went it's to best uh, best. went to the post office. I was supposed to mail a return for a thing that I bought on Amazon. That for some reason it didn't have it go into one of those Amazon boxes. It had me just mail it in the regular post office. And I also am starting a PO box, so I went to finalize it. So I go to the post office. This thing that I'm supposed to be shipping back as a return, the freaking, I don't even, I don't even know how this was supposed to work or what Amazon expected me to do, but I go to ship this thing. It's a very heavy item and the shipping for it was going to cost as much as the thing that I bought that was, that I was going to get returned for. I don't know why, why I don't like they, there was no postage paid for. I had to pay for the postage myself and it, it cost as much as the item. What the fuck? And then get off my lawn. And then, <laughs> and then they, and then like there was, I had to print out a form or something like that for the PO box. So it was like a, I, so I couldn't do it. So it was a waste of time. And then these kids today with their hip hop music. You're the worst, Kirk. That's not the same. <laughs> I'm, I'm on your side. You guys are just straight up anti post office, and I'm not here for it. We're anti-business scam. No, I'm. I'm you, you. I'm not anti-post office. I don't think any of those things were the post office's fault. The yeah. the the PO box thing was my fault. I guess I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see a thing where it said I had to print something. You're anti Andrew Price. But I I was the one that forgot to bring the form okay. or whatever. And the other thing was Amazon's fault. Jeff Bezos doesn't do anything wrong. Fuck big business. Fuck, Listen, you can't make fuck big uh, price. <laughs> fuck big price. Big big. Yes, please. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Hell yeah. Can I get that on a t-shirt? <laughs> it's yep. just a picture of Andrew in a close-up. <laughs> fuck big price coming this summer to cock. <laughs> uh, stop. This is your first starring role. Yep. I'm so excited. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh not not a, not a lot of uh, owners and CEOs of streaming services out there are starring in their own show on the on the platform. Yeah, 
but <laughs> just Tyler Perry. With I'm doing it. Tyler Perry's Netflix. I, yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's, you called, <laughs> it's called Tyler Perry's Netflix. Yeah, That's I, what his <laughs> streaming service is called. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Andrew, I love that you greenlit your own project. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I got to be honest, though. I, I, I've, I've made myself jump through some hoops. Yeah. Like it was you not mean, it did, was not nepotism. Like I'm hardest on the people that I love. <laughs> Big price. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's that's what the show is about. A little hard self-love, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, wow. <laughs> hard self-love with big price. That's another, that's actually another show. <laughs> another show you greenlit for yeah. yourself? <laughs> we're, wow. we're launching with, we're launching Cock with two shows starring me one of them is a spinoff of the other show that is simul- <laughs> simultaneously launching at the same time never been done before oh my gosh has anybody else ever launched a day one spinoff nope they're out of guts think so. unlike big price thank you what do you what, what are you guys doing Wait, where's your streaming services yeah <laughs> I pitched several things to your streaming service and your head of development, uh, Ephraim, has negged me. I mean, he's he's my gate. He's my watchdog. He's my or my yeah. bulldog, my gatekeeper. Yeah, he's the one that makes sure that the, the that, you know, we 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 lift up the winners. We shoot the dogs. That's what yeah. we do here. Every pitch I give him, he comes back with not relatable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, I am kind of a little bit rethinking that because he's very hard on the relatable thing and all of our shows are just about they're just they're just about uh Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they're just can all, relate. Yeah. Yep. That's fair. Well <laughs> I uh I have been uh just trying to work together a an amalgam of Settlers of Catan and the game Secret Hitler. And try to turn it into a dinner party event. So you've can... you've just become Ben in Parks and Rec, where you're just inventing <laughs> the tones of Dunshire in your in uh, your van. If you watch if you watch the last two podcasts, I'm wearing the same exact outfit in those. Two, so. <laughs> I, I was sucks. disappointed. Like I, I didn't say it because I mean I w- <laughs> we we got we got in we got in our we got in our banter. Um, but the but the podcast uh, we we guested on. Um, an episode of a podcast, a new podcast called Hear Me Out, which uh, those guys are going to be on the on the show next week. So watch out for that. Um, we got a couple <laughs> guests coming on the show next week from a new podcast that they're going to plug. And we'll plug it now in case you want to check it out now. But it's called Hear Me Out. It's about two best friends who uh, don't agree on anything. And so every episode, they try to convince one or the other about something. And if they can convince the other person, then um, they have to that person has to donate to a charity, but if they can't convince them, then they have to donate to a charity. Um, we were on their show and the previous week we had recorded nostalgia cast. And as I might've mentioned on the show, I forget if I, I mentioned it on or off air. Um, Tyler was looking, he was looking sharp. I've, I've been critical of, for the last year, for the entire existence of this podcast, I've mentioned it several times on the podcast, 
but I've been heavily critical of the way he's chosen to groom himself. I need, I, I've wanted him to get a haircut. I've wanted him to shave. I miss the old baby faced Tyler that I can pinch his cheeks and he's got the shiny little, the shiny little sparkles on, on his, on his cheeks and the, Ew. you know, the, the crew cut the order, the, not the crew cut, but like, you know, the, 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 the side cut haircut, the, you know, the high and tight loved it. <laughs> and ever since he's chosen to just become a van hippie, um, I've been heavily critical, but, but a couple weeks ago, I, f- I approved, I approved of the look. It was all working for me. But then when we go on this other podcast, when we're out there representing ourselves, Tyler looked like he crawled out of a dumpster. <laughs> Ow. I felt like I was, I, I should have, I was going back and forth on wearing it, but I also was having a bad body day. So I, I wore something else, but thank you for letting me know that it doesn't matter what I wear. I always look great. <laughs> You're beautiful inside. Thank you. Literally, I've seen it. I've, I've, <laughs> yeah. I shrunk myself down and went into your body to fight COVID. And, yeah. Thank you. Which is a joke okay. that wasn't even said on the podcast, so you have no idea what that means. Well, before we get into these stories, um, and while Tyler changes into something more presentable, um, let's let's. <laughs> Let's go back. I'm joking. Don't actually leave. Uh, Let's go back to this ever shifting and evolving epic of movie theaters in the age of COVID. We've talked about this on several episodes before. And now we're finally at the at the moment that everybody has sort of been waiting for the moment when people start trying to get people to go back even if it's not necessarily the right thing to do so recently uh what 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 is it is it a movie is it a movie studio or is it a movie theater company um i don't know i i i missed the detail I think it's reading live comments that we can't see or something. What are you looking at? No, no I'm, just, I'm, just, looking at the I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember if it was if it was the movie studio that put this out or if it was the movie theater. This company. video, which I didn't even see, so um, I didn't even know it was out. But I, th- I think it was the studio. What what is it? Universal. Um, For tenant. Yeah. <clears throat> oh. Let me just sound. Let me just quickly look at this up real quick. Should have looked this up first before um god damn it where the fudge is the production company it's not was this not i mean that's that's for sure especially after this news yeah um warner brothers there we go I think I think it was probably Warner Brothers. So Warner Brothers puts out this literal propaganda film where it's like Tom Cruise. It's a video of Tom Cruise going to a movie theater. Um, I had no idea this was a thing. Um, when, to watch, when did it drop? Because I heard Tenet. nothing about it. 
Uh, and 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 we'll we'll, wa we'll watch it really quick. Um, just to, just to give you an idea, since you haven't seen it yet. Come on, Tom Cruise. Your religion has signs in the name. That was Tom Cruise. Humble brag. I don't want to hear this Access Hollywood person. <laughs> While we're looking at this, and I know I've said other bad things before, but I just mean this to fuck with Tom Cruise. I'm glad he's looking like he's aging. Finally. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are finally starting to look like they're aging. Like all these like, yeah. like um, George Clooney and Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. They all finally look like they are getting older. Yeah. So you can expect the hellhounds to be coming for him soon. Yep. All right, so he asked, here's the video. It, it, it wasn't a, I mean, I'm sure it was in conjunction with somebody, but it was actually just something he shared on his own Twitter page. Um, but it's an edited together video, so clearly it was done by somebody with some intention in mind. Oh, Tom. Back to the movies. All right, so it's a short video. <laughs> it's Tom Cruise <laughs> being driven uh. in a in a SUV to a movie theater in London to go see Tenet. And he's there with Christopher McQuarrie, who is the director of the last um, two Impossible. or three Mission Impossible yeah. movies. Those uh, ones are good. And uh, he also, he wrote, he wrote um, The Usual Suspects and <clears throat> a yeah. bunch of other stuff. But Tom Cruise goes to the theater in London to watch Tenet with Christopher McQuarrie and it's just like they go and they see the movie and then he's like and then he's just like at the end of the movie he's like clapping and he's like and he's like looking around at all these people in the theater and he's just like yeah great to be back in a movie theater yeah it's it's just like it's just like pure propaganda um i don't know i don't know who worked in conjunction to make this video or whatever but it's just somebody trying to be like it's okay to go back tom cruise says it um does it feel just seeing that video for the first time, it feels a little lackluster. It feels like he's like, yeah, the movie was good. Oh, I loved it. Well, it it's because like, he's he could never not been give to a, a fuck. He's never been to a movie theater other than his own premiere in his life. He doesn't go outside. Yeah, he does. He, <laughs> that, he was terrified of being around uh, peasants. Yeah, normies. <laughs> He, he wasn't afraid of the coronavirus. He's afraid of normal people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, are okay. the, those are the virus to him. They're fucking, they're, what are they, what do uh, they check when you when you go into Scientology? Oh, the, what do you mean? Like they're Thetans or they're? Yeah, they're Thetans. They're just off the charts. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he doesn't want to be around them. Yeah, so, yeah, they, they did this and, you know, it's, 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 
it's obviously some either Warner Brothers or he got paid by theater chains or something like that to make this video that is trying to normalize the idea that we need to get back to a movie theater. And it feels kind of <clears throat> it feels dystopian to me. It feels like something that would happen in in like a sci fi movie, like a like a dystopian sci fi film where you have like this huge rich celebrity putting out these propaganda films being like go back citizens go back outside citizens go to the theater citizens give us your money citizens <laughs> i was literally just thinking like do you think old school romans were talking to each other like you guys think it's weird that they're killing people and then just like putting on a show in the middle of the coliseum anybody else thinking that's weird and i feel like that's exactly where we are in a society right now yeah, we are about to we are about to watch people die in the streets because we can't wear masks. Yeah, I have a hot take. I don't think he liked Tenet. You don't. You, you didn't. You don't think he likes Tenet. I don't his, think he liked Tenet. You didn't buy his. Uh, his. I his, loved it. His clap and like loved it. Yeah, loved it. I think because he, he was one of those they, like credits rolled. He's like, hey, that was great. Good to be back to moving. No, I loved it. Yeah, it's great. Okay, no, it was good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. mean, he was ready to he didn't bounce. get out quick. He got out yeah. quick. Has, he, was, he must have been like too long, too long and confusing. Tom Cruise been in any Nolan films yet? No, I mean, that's, that's no. it's weird. It's that's like, what, that, I think that's what it is. He's trying to like get Nolan to put him in one of his films. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I, it's, it's the reason for it is because Christopher Nolan, which kind of sucks because, you know, I, 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 I've, I've always loved. Christopher Nolan in his in his movies, um, but he's he's always been a huge proponent of uh, the movie theater experience and also shooting on film. And he's really like taken those those issues as like something that he fights for. You know, he he participated in in a in a documentary about you know sa saving film and and you know he's he's heavily critical of the wide industry-wide adoption of shooting digitally and he thinks that you know film should still be a standard and film is way better than shooting digital and all these things and he's a huge proponent of it and he's also a huge proponent of the movie theater experience and not letting it die so i don't know specifically what his personal thoughts are on covid or how serious he thinks it is or whether he thinks it's you know i i don't know what his actual thoughts are on that specifically, because they've they've sort of been shrouded by um, the fact that he is he is using it as an, as an opportunity or not using it as an opportunity, but he is specifically during this whole thing with movie theaters being shut down. He's been railing against it because he doesn't want the movie theater industry to die. So even if he maybe he thinks that. COVID is serious and a big deal, or maybe he doesn't. And maybe he's like one of those people that thinks it's like overblown or a hoax or whatever. But either way, he's kind of been contributing to the ant, like the COVID overblown hoax narrative because he is so fixated on not letting the movie theater industry die that he's been like outspokenly, you know, Say, like urging people to go back to the theater and for theaters to reopen and all this stuff. So that's part of it. And then also the other part of it is that um, Tom Cruise and 
Christopher McQuarrie have been pushing for them to be able to restart production on the new Mission Impossible movie because they had to shut down and they've been wanting to restart production. So they're also kind of pushing a little bit of a COVID is a overblown hoax type narrative. Not maybe I, like once again, I don't know what their actual thoughts are on it because it's it's obscured by the fact that they just want to they're just pushing to, to restart production because they just want to. So they've been they've been pushing that that narrative. So it's it feels like those two those two camps coming together to collaborate on this weird dystopian propaganda film. Um, and it's just it's just really creepy to me. And, and yeah, you know, I can see that. And, and, you know, if 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 those guys like think that it's a hoax or whatever, like screw them. And if they don't think it's a hoax and they actually do acknowledge that it's real or whatever, then that almost makes it kind of worse because they're 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 still pushing this narrative out of a selfish desire to get something that they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Absolutely, but that's where we're at right now. That's that's the people have been people have been talking about it for a long time. There's been a lot of discussion about it, and it's finally happening. We're at that point where we are we haven't gotten out of the woods yet with COVID, but the rich people are tired of the money that it's taking out of their coffers, and so we're at that we're at that point now where we are literally going to be living in a weird dystopian sci-fi story where we're going to have a bunch of companies making propaganda films being like, return to the world, citizens. Go out and spend your money. Go into our businesses and buy our things. It's okay. We're we're there. That's why I really appreciate your streaming service, Andrew, because you as a CEO don't do that. No. You're just here to promote cock. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything about cock is remote. Quality, yeah. Remote. remote, yeah. That you you watch it from home. You all the shows are shot in people's living rooms. I've I've literally I've never even met any of the people involved with it. No, it's just, it's just you and E working yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All you, you, you're practicing what you preach. Yep. And that's why your streaming service is going to kick the shit out of Quibi. Yeah. I mean, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, not Netflix. Let's be real. You got a long way to go. Yeah. But and you're nowhere near Tyler Perry's Netflix. I'll tell no. you that much right now. I mean, that thing is. Yeah, I mean. Even Netflix is like, oh, shit. We got a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. I gotta be honest sad. and say I'm a little worried about Tyler Perry's Netflix. I, that's the one that I'm a little worried is going to be a is is going to be a a worthy opponent. Well, yeah. It's only on Mars for now, so you don't have to worry yet. Yeah, yeah. but if you want to do but a that's collab our, that's, with him, that's our te- test audience as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, he's here on Mars, so I can get a. If you want to do a collabo, a joint venture, just let me know. You know, I, you know, I would never go to Mars. It's too small to socially distance properly. But you don't have to because there's no COVID here. Yeah, but I, it's still it's symbolic. I stand for it. So even when in the future times 
I'm I'm going to socially distance for the rest of my natural life. Wow. That might be good for you, actually. Mm-hmm. Mentally. Yep. Yeah. No, I support. Uh, You know, all I got to say is as we navigate this situation, things will ebb and flow about what does and doesn't constitute safe guidelines for going out and i'm not an expert on it so i can't i'm not gonna sit here and tell you what you should or shouldn't do i'm not going to any movie theaters all i can say is for god's sake just listen to the experts and do what they say now when it comes to the work situation about returning to work or whatever like i get that you people need to work and if you are willing to risk certain things to return to work or have a business open or whatever like i get it i get that i'm privileged in that i can work from home and kind of not not have to worry about that but when it comes to going to see a movie like that is not a thing you need listen to the experts on the freaking movie theater that's not a battle to pick in a life or death situation yeah there's bigger issues all right on to the stories Somebody once told you this shit was gonna happen and you didn't listen to him at all. He predicted it was dumb with his podcast and his chums and he got and he (laughs) I always choke I always choke in the final so good. I think you were so proud of the previous one. I, I was. I was. Yeah. I, was I was. I was way too proud of it. Yeah, that it, it, it fucked your flow. <laughs> Alistair was over here dancing to it. Oh man. Anyway, thank you. We talked about it on a previous episode. We talked about a bunch of people going to this Smash Mouth concert. This well, this festival that had a bunch of terrible bands, um, yeah, <clears throat> from from both the from both the late '90s and then like the 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 mid '70s for some reason, or no, the late '70s for some late reason. late '70s, early '80s, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I said, <laughs> I I said at the time, and I remember exactly. I my my exact word warning was, you don't have to listen to me. You don't have to believe what I'm saying. You don't have to take anything that I and I'm saying as truth it doesn't matter because it's gonna happen no matter what you believe there a minimum of two weeks we're gonna see a bunch of COVID cases coming out of this and it happened mm-hmm. boom absolutely over 100 COVID-19 cases have been connected to the Smash Mouth concert a few weeks ago, All-Star Purveyor Smash Mouth decided to perform at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota. Footage taken during their set at the 10-day festival showed thousands of people in the audience packed closely together with very few masks in sight. Given the times we're in, the concert and the rally overall were a recipe for disaster. Indeed, disaster is what's been made. As recent reports regarding new coronavirus cases indicate, over 100 cases of COVID-19 have been connected to the event. Um, The North Dakota Department of Health 
identified 17 in-state coronavirus cases that are related to the rally, while a South Dakota Health Department spokesperson found an additional 40 cases. The Associated Press also reports that at least 103 connected cases have also spread to Minnesota, Montana, Nebraska, Washington, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Smash Mouth singer Steve Harwell, by the way, was dismissive of the pandemic. As he said on stage, we're all here tonight. Fuck that COVID shit. Subsequently, the band's inbox was uh, has not been a warm place for them. Earlier this week, the group shared some fan mail they received recently, which contained an ex- expletive-laden letter and a broken Smash Mouth CD. I mean, in all fairness, that broken Smash Mouth CD was just broken years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Although, there's something... As much as I'm like, as much as I'm like, yeah, this was so stupid. You guys are idiots. Screw Smash Mouth. There's also something kind of very hilarious to me about the picturing that Smash Mouth fan who was like a huge Smash Mouth fan. And then they this felt but they also they also believed in the science and thought that COVID was a thing to be taken seriously. And they want to they want everybody to, you know, protect public health and safety and. You know, they believe in the idea of protecting your fellow citizen by, you know, wearing the masks and socially distancing. And this just felt like such a deep betrayal to them. And the and the, <laughs> and the idea of them, like, with a tear running down their eye, just cracking their Smash Mouth CD in half. Yeah, like, I had to. I mean, I didn't realize. I thought it was. I didn't know it was that Sturgis biker rally that they were doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, I thought Sturgis was separate from the Smash Mouth concert, but it's all big one diarrhea mess. Yeah. There's the, the yeah, the, a lot of other people are reporting on this story kind of separate from the music. Like there's, there's, there's news stories talking about the Sturgis motorcycle rally in general. They don't even mention the fact that there was all these bands playing. But yeah. if you look sort of more in the pop cultural news sites, they focus on the fact that Smash Mouth was playing here. And that they openly like dismissed yeah. the the danger. I mean, if someone out there is like, wow, that's crazy that everyone got sick from that concert. That's weird. Come on. Like if someone's shocked, like that's really, that's crazy that that happened. How unlucky. Huh? Wow. Who would have thought that they say yeah. that if you pack together and, get into huge crowds that inevitably there is going to be a breakout of this virus that to some people, it doesn't really affect them that much. Sometimes some people get like a slight flu like symptoms and some people literally die that if you did that, it actually happened. Who would have thought it would have been great if someone was thinking, God, that sucks. This is why we should have had sugar Ray. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Smash Mouth, Smash Mouth caused it, but Sugar Ray would have never have caused this. No. Exactly. Sugar Ray, Mark McGrath would have been enforcing social distancing. He would have brought his own supply of masks, and he would have yeah. any anybody who wasn't wearing a mask would be like, "Get this fucking mask on or get out." Yeah. Wow. I'm Mark no McGrath. I have things to live for. <laughs> I'm a music trivia genius. <laughs> Every morning there's a a mask hanging from my face and then I put it over my nose. If you just cover your mouth, you might as well not wear it at all. It defeats the purpose, you dumb shits. 
Couldn't understand how the virus gets out. Once again, as predicted, left my stupid mask off and it broke out. COVID's got me reeling. Stop me unbelieving. Socially distant. Said that we could do it. I know I want to oh, do it you, again. You can use it. You can use it. And then the next chorus is sung with a tube down your throat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told you. <laughs> you warned him. After On, the fact. I mean, there was nothing. They, they, were already, they yeah, had already it, been exposed. It already had happened. I was yeah. too late. Mm-hmm. But I did. But I did. I did. I did warn you that it was going to happen. Yeah. Um. So after seven seasons and seventeen years, wow. The beloved cult classic Adult Swim animated show, Venture Brothers, has been canceled. Eighty episodes across seventeen years. A classic Adult Swim series will not be returning for new episodes. Following a rumor that had been uh, began to circulate this weekend, the Venture Brothers creator Jackson Public has confirmed that the series has indeed been canceled. Unfortunately, it's true. Venture Brothers has been canceled. He wrote in a tweet confirming the axe fell this earlier this year. We got the highly disappointing news a few months ago while we were writing what would have been season eight. We thank you, our amazing fans, for 17 years of your kind and patient attention. And as always, we love you. Fans of the beloved series had previously become accustomed to lengthy waits between seasons for the series, and as such had previously assumed that we were just in the midst of another stretch without new episodes. The show's seventh and now final season previously aired in 2018, following a two-year gap from its previous season. The Venture Brothers followed the adventures of the Venture family, an eclectic clan comprised of the world-renowned Dr. Venture, a pill-popping failed super scientist and father of the fraternal, not-so-bright twin brothers, Hank and Dean. Joining them is their tough-as-nails bodyguard, Brock, um, who was appointed by the government to protect the family from any threat of violence. Together, they embark on a series of odd misadventures and take them ar- that take them around the globe as they fight off villains, most notably the Monarch, the family's arch-villain. So, yeah, it was an Adult Swim show. It, it started back in 2004, so, you know, shit's been going since I was a freshman in high school. Um... And uh, or maybe maybe even in eighth grade, um, and uh, you know it's 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 like it's like a it's a parody it's a it's a sort of loose amalgamation parody of old Hanna Barbera adventure cartoons like um, mostly Johnny Quest, but throwing in a couple things here and there. Um, Is Sea Lab Two Thousand a thing that's already a joke of another thing or was that all C Lab 20 so so C Lab 2021 was an adult swim show and what what it was was there was a show that was produced in the 60s or the 70s I think the 60s called C Lab 2020 that was never aired they 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 made like they made like 5 episodes of it and they never actually aired it it got like scrapped 
but they made these episodes and so they found these episodes in the warner brothers vault or in the hanna barbera vault owned by warner brothers and they found these and they got the idea to like take the animation cells from that show that never got made and turn it recontextualize it and turn it into a new show called c lab 2021 Oh, okay. <clears throat> so that's that that show was like using literal animation cells from a show, but like going into Flash and using them to make a new show. Whereas Venture Brothers is like a original animated show that's just loosely parodying old Hanna Barbera shows, mostly Johnny Quest. <clears throat> um, now and and yeah, it's like it's one of those shows where. It's existed for so long and there's always such huge gaps in seasons and they'll just sporadically release stuff when they can get it done. Um, but it's but it has a huge cult following of people who are like waiting on bated breath for these new episodes to air. Um, and it kind of felt like one of those shows where it would like never get canceled because it's like they're not they're not always actively in production on it. It's mm -hmm. so it's not like a thing that you have to continually have, you know, have a payroll for like you don't have to keep people on staff or whatever it's just like when we get the wild hair up our ass to make more episodes cartoon network is willing to you know uh you know put together a budget and air them so it kind of felt like maybe it would never get canceled until the creators decided to retire but it's been canceled r-i-p never saw one show it's a good show and it's I'm also sure it's also fascinating it to watch a show that's evolved that far over multiple years to see something that is like started in 2004 and then was still making stuff and making episodes in 2018 it's fascinating mm -hmm. to see the evolution of a show like that um when when god closes a door he opens a window r.i.p venture brothers but R-I-L Rest in rest Life Rest in Life Oh I was going to say Return in Place Or that A reboot Of Troop Beverly Hills No it's not a reboot it's a sequel Yeah that's right Troop Beverly Hills The Wilderness Girl Group With Black Belts in Shopping Are heading back to the screen Ooh, That already feels dated a sequel to 1989's Troop Beverly Hills, which starred Shelley Long, is in development at Sony's TriStar Pictures, EW has learned. Israeli filmmaker or Oren Zegman will make her directorial debut on the project, which was written by Aisha Carr, the showrunner of Hulu's Woke, who's also currently writing Paramount's reboot of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Netflix's moxie screenwriter Tamara Chesna is currently working on rewrites and joins in a producer role. The original movie, directed by Jeff Kanu, was based on the life of Ava Fries. Fries wrote the story of a pampered Beverly Hills housewife, played by Shelley Long, who tries to prove her daughter and husband prove to her daughter and husband that she can be a troop leader. Pamela Norris wrote the screenplay. Cast members for the original, including Long and Tori Spelling, reunited for a 30th anniversary Entertainment Entertainment Tonight TV special last year. Fries will return as an executive producer on the sequel with Charles W. Fries, Lawrence Mark. Who worked on the movie on movies like *The Greatest Showman* and *Julia*? *Julia and Julia* will produce. Based in Los Angeles, Segman is a graduate of Israeli's Beth Zvi and California's AFI Conservative. Nah, who cares about this? Um, 
Who knew yeah. that this was based on a true story? I feel like maybe I did know that or had read that, that. But it it also sounds it sounds vaguely familiar, but also not familiar. But yeah, okay. I had no idea. Um, did you guys grow up on Troop Beverly Hills? Yeah, I watched this all kinds when I was young. That's so funny because when I when it came out, I was like eighteen or nineteen, and I think all of us were like, "Oh boy." Shelly Long, what's what happened to you? You you were on Cheers and Outrageous Fortune, and now you're doing True Beverly Hills. But I guess there's a lot of love for it. I had no idea there was that much love yeah, for it. A lot, a lot, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of uh, a lot of '90s kids mm-hmm. love the movie. Um, it's not my favorite movie, but yeah, I watched it a lot when I was younger. It's your favorite. Stop trying to pretend that it's not. The reboot is coming to the the sequel is coming to cock. If that provide provides <laughs> that any, any context, you need to know. Um. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'll say is like, I don't want to sound mean. I don't want this to come off as mean spirited or ageist or sexist in any way. It it already is. So you might as well say it. But, but, um, Shelly Long is not looking great these days. And I don't mean that in a way like, oh, she's ugly, but I just mean like she's looking rough. Like she's. I don't know. I don't know what. I, I don't know about her personal life or whatever. I've n- I've never read any like tabloid gossip about if she, if she's like been big into like drugs or drinking or whatever. I don't know, but she's looking a little rough. Um. Huh. I see. Yeah, I don't, know, just, I don't know. You know. I don't know if she struggled with addiction. I'm not saying that like she needs to look immaculate and like still look as young as she did when she was you know doing this movie but she's yeah i don't I, like i said i don't know if she i don't know if she's like struggled with like addiction problems or whatever but she's looking a little rough people age andrew except on mars yeah um it just when i hear that this is based on a true story it just sounds so much worse to me it's like what it sounds like is some rich woman was like, I can too, tried it, didn't do it well, and then paid someone to write a movie to make her look good. That probably is what happened, honestly. I've also been like, <laughs> a true story of what? A, a rich mom tries to become a Girl Scout leader? That's, yeah. oh, we need the rights to that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like t- what Tyler said is exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good call. She's like, one time I, I tried to, Proved to my husband that I could be self-sufficient, so I became a, a Girl Scout leader. And then, like, I was terrible at it. And then I thought it'd be a funny idea for a movie. So then I just paid somebody to write it as a movie. And, and now I'm stuck. Yep. Um. So we'll see how that how that is. A sequel. Mm-hmm. It's not a reboot. It's a sequel. Um. People aren't people aren't as People aren't as enamored with the rich people lifestyle anymore. It's by the eighties. Yeah. Come on. Secret of my success. Yeah. People, people nowadays when they watch stuff with like rich people in it, they just, they either get, they either roll their eyes or they get angry. Yeah. Eighties, man. Yeah. Rich cocaine. Yep. Good stuff. The age of excess. Yep. The entire 
thesis statement of the of the whole Back to the Future trilogy was yep. your life can be good if you can just make your parents hot. You can get a four by four truck mm-hmm. and you can turn your high school bully into your literal manservant. <laughs> yep. With yep. money. Uh, Ridley Scott says that a new alien film is coming, but likely won't revisit the Prometheus universe or the Prometheus story. Ridley Scott has returned to the world of dystopic sci-fi as executive producer on HBO Max's post-apocalyptic series Raised by Wolves. And the show's android-centered conceit has naturally raised the question of whether he, we should expect a new alien movie anytime soon. In a new interview with Forbes, Scott teased the future of the franchise and said that the new film, while in the works, is likely to revisit the world set up by the 20... is uh, isn't, like, isn't likely to revisit the world set up by 2012's Prometheus and 2017's Alien Covenant. Uh, that's in the process. We went down a route to try and reinvent the wheel of Prometheus and Covenant, he enthused. Whether or not we got we go directly back to that is doubtful because Prometheus woke it up very well. But, you know, you're asking fundamental questions like, has the alien himself, the facehugger, the chestburster, have they all run out of steam? Do you have to rethink the whole bloody thing and simply use the words, word to the franchise? That's always the fundamental question. Prometheus was Scott's first return to the alien universe in more than 30 years since the 1979 original starring Sigourney Weaver. He'd passed the baton on to James Cameron with Aliens, David Fincher with Alien 3, and Jean-Pierre Junet with Alien Resurrection. Earlier this year, Scott also shared similar sentiments with Los Angeles Times. I still think there's a lot of mileage in Alien, but I think you'll have to now you'll have to now re-evolve. What I always thought when I was making the first one, why would a creature like this be made and why was it traveling in what I always thought was kind of a Warcraft, which was carrying a cargo of these eggs? Uh, what was the purpose of the vehicle and what was the purpose of the eggs? That's the, th- that's the thing to question. Who, why, and for what purpose is the next idea, I think. So we're getting more alien movies in this ever-changing and, and weird, wonky franchise. Boo! I don't care. I don't. I don't care about a new alien movie. I don't care that it's probably not going to revisit Prometheus. I don't care about the questions that are asked about what to do with a movie that's a sci-fi monster movie. Yeah, but all those things are because you are, you have the batshit garbage opinion of not liking sci-fi yeah true fun fact there's no sci-fi on mars none wait a minute no first of all there's no sci-fi you can't say you don't know you're not here you're not here you that this i i just realized this we i haven't these two these two pieces of information have never bumped up against each other so i have not Mm -hmm. yet been able to recognize this paradox but your 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 life is sci-fi. Yeah, you're, I know for a fact that you're there's living, a sea of the unseen, and the three witches are on Mars. So you can't tell me it's not sci-fi. You're living in a terraformed Martian future society. Yeah, but it's just like Monrovia. It's not. It's not that different from Monrovia. It's like being in the valley. Same but thing. You're you're living on Mars. 
with a bunch of elite celebrities. Your life is sci-fi. It's not sci-fi. It's just we decided to move to a better place. That's sci-fi. That's he's sci-fi. never seen a sci-fi movie. He doesn't know that he's the bad guy is, in this is movie. Is moving? You are Paul from... Reiser in Aliens. <laughs> this is not my locker. Oh, wrong one. Um, how? That's like saying I moved from Burbank to Glendale. That's sci-fi. Except for the key component that you went there on a rocket ship. Um, hello, you don't know what I went there on. Thank you. You weren't privy to that knowledge. If you did anything but a rocket ship, it would be uh, like uh, Star Trekky, and that's even more sci-fi. Or if it's magic and it's fantasy. <laughs> Ooh, shit. <laughs> then your mind's blown. You beam there with magic, and the the, yeah. the it's you're being oxygen is being generated for you by magic. It's all dragons. <laughs> dragons are. It's all, it's all dragon energy. <laughs> That's all it is. There you go. Um, it's not sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 uh, I mean, as a sci-fi person, do you look at the story and you're like, yeah, man. Yeah. Are you just like, great. I think, a, I think a lot of people do not like the alien movies. A lot of people, a lot of sci-fi fans don't like Prometheus and don't like alien covenant. I haven't actually seen alien covenant, so I can't really give an opinion on that. Um, I, whenever I saw Prometheus in theaters years ago, I was one of the few people I knew that actually liked it and was like, and defended it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and I think the reason for that is because, um, I tend to like, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't exclusively like this. I like plenty of things, but I really love this specific type of movie where somebody is given this golden opportunity to spend a shitload of money on just a weird idea that is destined to fail. And they put their entire all into it. And it becomes this unique experience of seeing something that is a once in a lifetime opportunity where this thing is never going to happen again because the the stars align for anybody to green light this thing being made based on whatever random market conditions were going on at the time that somehow made studio executives think that this was going to be a hit. And so they gave somebody a blank check to do like this weird, strange, personal thing at this massive scale. So movies like some of my favorite movies. Uh, that I, I talked about in in our when we did our top fives of the decade. John Carter is one of my favorite movies of that decade. Um, uh, Speed Racer. My other on my other podcast, we literally did a whole episode about how great the movie Speed Racer is. Um, and and I I, w- I would put Prometheus in that where hmm. it's this uh my my friend Dave refers to them as noble failures, which I think is a pretty good description of them. Um, I love those types of movies. Uh, I, I, I still haven't seen Alien Covenant, but I, I, I love Ridley Scott. I love the Alien franchise. And um, I love when people get into situations where they're given a lot of money to make a really weird experimental thing that shouldn't 
by all accounts have been allowed to be made because it was never going to be successful and yet somehow it is well you're not going to like living on mars then because we don't do that here <laughs> everything on mars is market tested for yep. to ensure that it's going to be financially successful yep everything on mars stars john stamos yep they, that was that was the key to a utopian society. They figured yeah. it out. If if we if we if we put John Stamos in every movie, commercial, TV show we produce, we will have H.G. Wells's vision of a utopian society. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's the key component. Um, on to more strange reboot news MGM is developing ro a RoboCop prequel series focusing on Dick Jones the main bad guy from the original RoboCop the guy who at the end of the movie the president of the company goes Dick you're fired and then Ed 209 shoots him or no RoboCop shoots him and he falls out of the window and then it cuts to that shot of that horrible stop motion yeah. claymation guy uh, with the with the long arms yeah um uh before being shot several times and falling to his death out of a boardroom window dick jones portrayed by ronnie cox was a, was the slimy villainous and extremely corrupt senior vice president of omni consumer products or ocp while his death in robocop will be remembered as one of the all-time greats his life could be remembered in a brand new RoboCop prequel series that was would also focus on the rise of Omni consumer products. Digressing, after uh, after losing Neil Blomkamp to another horror endeavor, MGM and Orion recently hired Abe Forsyth to get behind the camera for RoboCop Returns, an official sequel that had been planned by the original 1987 film's screenwriters Ed Newmeyer and Michael Miner, but was canceled when director Paul Verhoeven declined to direct the project and a WGA strike in 1988 followed. Um, Newmeyer, who will also produce, revealed that he's also currently working with MGM on the new RoboCop prequel series that would focus on the life of Dick Jones. I'm working at MGM on it, he tells Movie Hole, while also noting, it was all the cool stuff about RoboCop except no RoboCop. I'm working with these two writers, Dave Parkin and Rob Gibbs, who bought this idea to a TV producer friend, brought this idea to a TV producer friend of mine, who then brought it to me. Um... There's the idea of doing things about business and law enforcement in the city of Detroit a minute and a half in the future. It would be a way to do all sorts of stories in business about business and tech, Silicon Valley, corporations, snakes and suits, cops, all that. It's a wonderful, rich tapestry. So we've been talking about it, and I think we have an interesting story. It's fun to work with a younger version of the Dick Jones we meet in RoboCop. He's an actualized corporate predator, but nobody necessarily starts out being the bad guy. So it's going to be about the evolution of Richard Jones to Dick Jones, the story of OCP and how the world moves into the future, how the corporate world behaves. Yeah, so it's going to be, a, you know, it's probably going to be like an HBO series type show um, set in the RoboCop world of this like futuristic Detroit. But it's about OCP and Dick Jones's rise to power and where he ends up being in RoboCop. And... Uh, I think a lot of people will be like, oh, this is dumb, blah, 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 you know, RoboCop without RoboCop, this is so stupid. 
And that was kind of maybe my initial reaction. Especially because Ed Newmeyer, as much as I love him as a screenwriter and as long as much as he's written a lot of stuff that I love, like he's definitely been involved in some shitty stuff. Like all of those straight to DVD Starship Trooper movies that he wrote, they're awful. Um But I I kind of as I thought about it more, I kind of love the idea of this. It's like if you if you don't think about it as a RoboCop thing, like I was forget the RoboCop thing. Just forget about the fact that it's RoboCop with no RoboCop in it and think about it as just the world that it is and what they're going to do with it. And, you know, think about it instead of as being a RoboCop movie. Think about it as the Watchmen show or Westworld or any of these shows where they've taken a recognizable property and they've just taken it and taken the world that is it exists in and they've told just a completely unrelated story and in that vein i think that this could be really cool i was literally just thinking the same thing in the sense that like it sounds like an amazing really cool story that i would love to watch unfold but it sounds like somebody at uh the studio was like listen it's all about nostalgia right now so who can we make this character out to be? And then what can we fit this into? And they were like, oh, it fits perfectly in the RoboCop universe. And they were like, oh, Ed, Ed Newmeyer will literally do anything for a paycheck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's do RoboCop. I love this idea. This is fantastic. Yeah. RoboCop without RoboCop? Yes. I mean, I, th- I feel like you're loving it for a wrong reason. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, That's you know what hurtful. I hated about the movie RoboCop? The fact that they made somebody a half robot. <laughs> I want to know more uh, about Dick Jones. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just love the idea of exploring a futuristic society that's been corrupted by corporate greed. And, yeah, I love that. And that's, that's what that's our society wants to watch right now. Private, yeah. Privatization of military and police forces, all that stuff. That's I that that sounds super interesting to watch. I really hope that if this comes to fruition, that at some point someone yells out, "You down with OCP?" And then Dick Jones goes, "Yeah, you know me." <laughs> the patented Kirk rolling back in his room and revealing that he's not wearing any pants. <laughs> yep, it's the no pants part of the show. Are you hanging out outside though? Your legs are looking tan. Jogging. Nice. And hair. Wow. Um, I'll definitely watch this show, though. Yeah. Me too. For sure. Um, So we've talked about a couple different weird, wonky um, advancements or developments in this story. On On a previous episode, we talked about this. I there was there was a rumor that the MCU was trying to get Robert Dunney Jr. back to play Tony Stark again. And then we talked about a rumor that Warner Brothers was going to try to offer him a huge paycheck to join the DC universe as some kind of weird, like, we stole your star move. And then we got heard another story that was like, there was a rumor that it, that he was going to be joining the MCU again and that like he had he had been asking for an exorbitant amount of money but then once Dr. Doolittle had failed he then lowered that and then he was actually in talks with the MCU all these things of course were rumors we, these were rumors that we talked about um, on various 
we talked about it sometimes on Can You Go For That, but we were also talking about it before Can You Go For That existed. But we were still talking about them as rumors. Um, but now we can finally we can finally carve the tombstone on this story <laughs> because Robert Downey Jr. has confirmed that he is done with MCU movies. Actor Robert Downey Jr., previously the face of Iron Man in this Marvel Cinematic Universe, confirmed that he would no longer be acting in future films in the franchise. Downey first portrayed billionaire playboy, the inventor and inventor of uh, Tony Stark, who created a high-tech suit of armor to become a superhero in 2008's Iron Man. In, in Avengers Endgame, Tony Stark makes the ultimate sacrifice to save the day, spoiler alert, fatally taking on the destructive energy of the Infinity Gauntlet to undo Thanos' massacre. The death of a character the fans had grown to love over a decade had a stunning emotional impact on the fandom. It also gave Downey a way to exit the franchise permanently. Speaking on the Smart Less podcast, Downey confirmed in no uncertain terms that he would be stepping away from the MCU and his role as Tony Stark indefinitely. The podcast hosts, uh, ho- the podcast hosted by Sean Hayes, Jason Bateman, and Will Arnett is about learning through laughter, picking the brains of well-known guests in casual setting. Asked by Bateman whether or not he was finished with the MCU, Downey replied, yes, that's all done. The former actor, Iron Man actor explains that acting as part of such a massive franchise was hugely demanding of his time and cites his wife and family as a large part of his decision. It seems the actor will be taking advantage of some much-needed free time to spend more time at home. I listened to this podcast. Of course you did. Because I like, it's a great podcast. The fact, Here's the thing. The fact that last week, or not last week, we skipped a week for Labor Day, um, the, fa- the, the fact that two weeks ago when we talked about a story, no, was it three weeks ago? The fact that three weeks ago we talked about a story that was told on Rob Lowe's podcast and you yeah. said, I listened to that podcast. Yeah. The fact that that happened and this happened is n- in no way surprising whatsoever. Well, I mean, listen, they're friends. Those podcasts are friends. made for people like you. People on Mars. Yes. Who, who enjoy listening to their celebrity friends. It's it's a great podcast. This whole learning through laughter is bullshit. It's just three famous people who are friends talking to another famous people and just like talking trash. And it's fun. That's really all it is. But he did say that. And uh, he did say something like, what are you going to do? And he's like, if I could, if I really could, I would like to focus my time and um, – start like a chain of martial arts studios because he's really into Kung Fu. Mm. And he's like, that's like his thing that he really would be passionate about. I would love for Robert Downey Jr. to turn into one of those like scam artist, like martial Why arts scam? dojo Why scam? dudes. Mar- Why not just- martial arts is a scam. It's all about capoeira. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is not teaching anybody Real no, he's not going to teach. He's going to uh, bankroll it. He's going to make then, money off of yeah. other people teaching. <laughs> I mean, you guys, uh, first thing you on Mars is you you, you got to learn uh, Kung Fu. I mean, RDJ should go there and start his chain. He's here. He's oh, oh, spoiler shit. Oh, oh no. Shit. Oh, yeah. I got to go. Oh yeah, I was wondering. Go. I was wondering why on your calendar it says uh, it says two thirty to four thirty p.m. Busy uh, RDJ Kung Fu lessons. <laughs> yeah, 
shit, I'm in trouble with the Mars police. Oh, the nougat men? You do not you do not want to get on the nougat men's bad side. <laughs> it took me a second, but I was like, yeah. They will nope. they, they will disappear you into a into a white uh featureless uh rocket buggy. Yep. And you'll never be seen again. Nope. Don't fuck with them. Don't fuck them. Um speaking of sci-fi and space and Kirk's terrible opinion about sci-fi. <laughs> Uh, Patrick Stewart in a recent interview has talked about how he thinks that Gene Roddenberry who created Star Trek um, never really accepted him as Captain Picard Patrick Stewart's arduous journey to becoming Jean-Luc Picard in Star Trek The Next Generation is legendary and it's no secret that it took a lot of convincing to get show creator Gene Roddenberry on board with the casting choice now in a newly released video of a panel interview conducted earlier this summer Sir Patrick Stewart speaks more candidly about how Gene made him feel on set and more. Um, what the fuck is this guy doing on my show? In June, oh no, that's not that's not a quote. In June, the Hollywood Reporter released a partial transcript from a virtual roundtable discussion with television drama actors Kieran Culkin. Who cares about this? He was on an interview. He was on an interview show, and he talked about these things. Um, Stewart recalls that his audition with Roddenberry didn't go well. It was very odd with Gene because I was dragged into the audition for him in his living room the morning I, after I had seen, uh, been seen doing something at UCLA. My meeting lasted about six months, and then it was perfectly clear I was not wanted in that room any time longer. It was Gene who said, what the hell? I don't want a bald, middle-aged Englishman. According to Star Trek The Next Generation executive producer Rick Berman, the top runner-up for the role of Picard was American actor Stephen Macht, who says he turned Gene Roddenberry down when he, offered, when he was offered the role. A 1987 Paramount casting memo lists Stewart along with a handful of other actors being considered for, for Picard. It notes that Belgian actor Patrick Bachau had recently auditioned for Roddenberry, and the audition went well. He and Stewart were considered the top contenders for the role at the time. Apparently, Gene preferred the Belgian, feeling he was a better fit for a French-born actor or character. It was producer Robert Justman who brought Stewart in, having seen him perform at UCLA. Both Justman and Berman ca uh, campaigned for Stewart to get the role, but Roddenberry continued to resist. Stewart recalls, There is somewhere in the cellars of Paramount Pictures a post-it note which says, I do not want to hear Patrick Stewart's name mentioned again, ever. Signed, Gene Roddenberry. Obviously, Roddenberry was eventually convinced, but Stewart recalls that he still didn't feel Gene's warm embrace when he visited the set. Gene used to come on the set once a week, maybe twice. It depends on who the cast were. And I would catch him looking at me with an expression on his face which said, What the fuck is this guy doing on my show? It was clear he couldn't understand why I was there. I had lunch with him only once, just the two of us, and I said, So, Gene, to help me, where did the idea for the character spring from? Can you give me any connection that I could use and build on for this? And he said, Oh yeah, I've got it here with me. And he pulled out a beaten up paperback copy of one of the Horatio Hornblower books and said, It's all there. So the character, it turns out, was based on Horatio Hornblower. But as I was in... A spaceship and not an ocean-going ship. I felt that I never really satisfied Gene the way he wanted to be satisfied. That last line. I no, I meant it literally. <laughs> no innuendo at all. I sucked his I, dick. 
and he didn't like, like it. A purist at all, but Patrick Stewart is the only person that makes me want to watch Star Trek. Like uh, William Shatner can go fuck himself as a captain compared to. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, exactly. What about the? Isn't there another another one? Deep Space Nine. Yeah. yeah. Is that the beard guy? No. Is oh, it the woman? No. Wait, what? Who's well, the? There was no beard guy. I mean, are you talking about Jonathan Frakes? He was. Yeah. That's, he played. That was. Uh, he played Jonathan Riker on. Second. Yeah, he played Riker oh, on TNG. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I stand corrected. And like. That was the real thing. Is if you don't think Scott Bakula was a was a was Scott a Bakula, was a captain. Um, Jean Luc Picard had sexual appeal dripping off of him, yes. and they tried to make Jonathan Frakes the sex guy, like You're the, not wrong. The, the sexual one. But if you wanted somebody to play a Frenchman who got laid constantly and all he did was fuck in his twenties, Jean Luc Picard played by Patrick Stewart. Yep. You are spot on. I'm a middle-aged, stuffy British man who has early-onset male pattern baldness, but the dick makes up for all of it. It does. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it, whatever Gene Roddenberry's idea of the character that he could never live up to was, obviously for the greater you know, audience... Like you could never imagine anybody other than him as Jean Luc Picard. So I guess, it, does, I guess it doesn't really matter what Gene Roddenberry thought. That's right. Um, and uh, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do a special version of our regular segment. Can you go for that? After these messages, we'll be right back. And we're back. And now it's time for a regular segment where normally we talk about rumors and unsubstantiated nostalgic stories, but this time we're going to do something slightly different. The segment is called, can you go for that? Can you go? Can you go? Can you go? Can you go? Can you go for that? Can you go? 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 Can you go for that? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> a couple things are converging here. <clears throat> Number one, there wasn't really any rumor stories this week. Number two, we skipped an episode. We skipped a week, so we missed this story in its sort of proper form. Um, and also I just, I've been seeing a lot of stuff coming out since this thing happened. Uh, and I just wanted to, I wanted to use this opportunity for this week to do a, can you go for that? Where I just want to talk about something that I definitely cannot go for. So this is a special, this special segment where I'm going to talk about something and say, I can't go for that. So couple weeks ago at this point we obviously didn't cover it because we skipped a week but uh tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman actor who played Black Panther in the Marvel movies 
as well as many other roles. Um, and, uh, you know, first of all, obviously, Rest in Power King. It's a tragic, tragic story. Um, he, he passed away from colon cancer, which he had been battling in secret for four years. Um, throughout the entire process of making all those Marvel movies, he had this cancer, which he was fighting, doing all that training, all of that shooting, all while simultaneously battling colon cancer. And then it finally got the better of him and he uh, passed away. Um, now, that's super sad, super tragic. Uh, Black Panther was the first movie that I ever watched with my son. We went to see it at a drive-in theater here in uh, the greater LA area for uh, our birthday. My son's birthday is a day after mine. Um, <clears throat> but within a day, like the day that it was announced, people were already, I saw people in Facebook groups, random Facebook posts, <clears throat> people were already talking about who's going to play Black Panther now. There was already this speculation. Oh, Will Smith should play Black Panther. They should they should make Shuri take over the mantle and become the Black Panther. They should have Killmonger come back from the dead using the time stone, and then he becomes Black Panther. And then Michael B. Jordan will be Black Panther. The day that it was announced that he was dead. <clears throat> and it's just despicable to me. Like <clears throat> this, this man, this human being died. And what we're talking about is what's going to happen to the movie franchise that he was a star of. Who gives a fuck? Who cares? This guy died. He, he died. He left behind a wife and children. <clears throat> Let's give this man at least a month of respect before we start talking about who's going to replace him in this movie. I mean, I'm obviously I'm sure they're talking about it behind the scenes just from a financial standpoint, but in terms of publicly, like let's hold off on the speculation until at least a month after this man's tragic death. Um, and yeah, and, and, you know, I, I just, I, I, my, my mind was blown by this. I was seeing people talk about this and be like, oh, who's going to play him? And he should play, this person should play him, this person should play him, this should happen, this should happen. And it's just, it it it's feels indicative of just our sick obsession with celebrity, that you would dehumanize somebody to that degree, that you would first and foremost wonder who was going to take over for this movie character that they played. So I cannot go for that. Yeah, I uh, I like got a, like a weird wake up call because I retweeted something about Killmonger taking it over, and then somebody like hit me up in my DMs saying like it's kind of rude that you would even bring anything of like that up when really you should just be talking about his life and the legacy that he led, and the unfortunate fact that he was taken away by something that could have been handled. Like colon cancer sucks, and we need to work on better ways to handle that instead of worrying about who's going to take over the mantle of a fucking fictional character. So like the person that hit me up about it, I'm really happy they did. Cause I felt like an idiot afterwards. And even, I mean, I agree, but 
even like retweeting something is not the worst thing in the world to me. But these people who are actively posting these things. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what are you doing? Like this, this, this is a person that died. Who gives a fuck about the movie character? Who cares about Black Panther? Like, I, like it's important. I, I, I think, I think Black Panther, the movie character, is important because it gave a lot of young uh, black kids like a hero, somebody that looked like them on screen for the first time, really ever. Um, to look up, I mean, that's not necessarily true. There are, uh, don't come after me, all you fucking uh, fact Nazis, gonna be like, actually, there was this character or whatever. But it was a one of the first huge, high profile black superheroes yeah, on a broad scale. On a broad scale that some that kids could look up to because you know, and make them feel like, oh, I could be like that. I I have a, I could be a superhero, or I could, you know. That it's important in that sense, but at the end of the day, it's still just a movie character. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you said it best. Um, and it, of course, it's going to go continue on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to continue continue on financially, of course, but also because it's so important to culture to have the superhero. Um, just give it time. It's not going anywhere. Nothing. There's no decisions have been made and just let the grieving process happen. And then obviously it's going to come back with what's going to happen next. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't just people. It was like the on the day that his death was announced, Screen Rant ran an article that was like, where will what will the MCU? What, what, what will the MCU's next move be or whatever? And they they got a huge backlash from it and they pulled the article and they posted a tweet oh, wow. ap- apologizing for it. Good. Um, and then the thing, the thing that was for me, one of the more egregious things that just made me, I, I just, it made me just laugh out loud in just disbelief. Screen rant ran an article that on the day that his death was announced, can black Panther two still happen? Marvel's options without Chadwick Boseman. And then they pulled the article and Screen Rant posted and said, following the tragic loss of Chadwick Boseman, an article went up on Screen Rant overnight that was well-intentioned but was not respectful to the trauma and heartbreak we are all feeling in this moment. This should not have happened and it has been removed. We are sorry. Um, so a shitty clickbait title too. Yeah. Um, and then also, so there's, so there's a, a YouTube channel uh, called, what is it called? called beyond the trailer and it is a it it's a it's a youtube channel that has almost near a million subscribers and it's run by this person named grace randolph um and you know they they post movie reviews and reactions to trailers and things like that and it's just a, it's a popular like pop culture movie review uh youtube channel and so on this day that he <clears throat> it was announced that Chadwick Boseman had died, she posted a tweet that said, out of deep respect for Chadwick Boseman and his family, I won't make a video about this until Monday or maybe even Tuesday. 
you're 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 so generous. Yeah. God, God was, bless you. This was posted on Friday. So she was pro- she was like, I won't do it over the weekend. I will wait until Monday. I'm going to take the afternoon off out of respect, but I'll be right back at it the next morning, 8 a.m. sharp. And I just wow. couldn't I just couldn't believe that. I was out of deep respect. I won't make a video exploiting this man's death for at least two days. You're such a hero. I will wait. I will wait, guys. Yeah. You are the real Black Panther. Yep. Ugh. She really is. I So yeah, that's I that, I wanted to talk about that because, you know, if we were if we were soulless bloodsuckers, we could have done a can you go for that that was exclusively all of the speculation about Black Panther. Yeah. But instead, I wanted to do this cuz fuck that. Yeah. And this has been another edition of can you go for that you fucking leeches motherfucker just give him time to exist and let people grieve for him let his family grieve don't fuck with the shit just wait at least a month yeah that was a spicy remix yeah that one had some. That one had some kick behind it. Yeah, that had a little uh, uh, curveball on it. Last couple of stories before we wrap up the show. Got some. Got some doozies. Got some weird, weird ones here. Uh, so, uh, a programmer has made the original Doom playable on a pregnancy test. I don't even understand what that means. How does that? Yeah, I, I'll I show you. I'll show you. Um, Foon or F. Foon or FF Oon or whatever, Turing, a California based programmer, uh, it's probably Foon, was made 1993's Doom play, has made 1993's Doom playable on a pregnancy test. Uh, let me go back because I want to actually make a clip of this and I don't want my weird stuttering idiocy to be uh, in the video. Foon Turing, a California-based programmer, has made 1993's Doom playable on a pregnancy test, truly taking the will-it-run-Doom challenge to another level entirely, which is a thing that people do where a lot of programmers, they will do these challenges where they make the game run on just random, like, you know, like a graphing calculator or like an old Nokia phone or whatever. Uh, Foon took to Twitter to share their progress in making videos playable on a pregnancy test, including Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up and the Dancing Stick Bug. But the clips of it running videos of Doom and the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim are what caught the eye of many in the gaming world. It's important to note that Foon did replace the display and microcontroller, so the only part of the original tester is the shell. However, getting Doom running on playable on a 128 by 32 pixel monochrome display at one BPP is still an impressive feat. Foon's work is another in the legend of Will It Run Doom challenge that has seen the classic first person shooter becoming playable in Minecraft, on a microwave, a leapfrog kid's toy, and even Chandler's laptop from season two, episode eight of Friends from 1995. And I will show you right now what this looks like.
So there it is. Doom. Funny. On a pregnancy test. I feel like, could we be easily conned and this could just be CGI manipulated? It could be. I I feel like I could do this in Photoshop. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. For sure. I want to believe that it's true and then follow that up with why? (laughs) It's... (laughs) It's a, it's, can, it's, can, is he playing it legit right now or is it just running a screen of like the, the promo game? Because like how how do you get – can yeah, you win it? You can't play it. You can just watch it. It was what it looks like. Yeah. Okay. And also cool. one BPP <laughs> could do two BPPs. <laughs> like a novice over here. All the pregnancy Fafoon. tests on Mars have two BPPs. I mean, it's just, it's standard. I mean, that's a, that's generic brand. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. In terms of the why, the why is that a lot of programmers do these things just to see if they can, just to prove that they can. It's a, it's a, it's a feat of programming. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, like the guy who walked across the tightrope on the Empire State Building or, you know. No, I can't. I mean, that's more impressive than this. Come on. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Well, I understand this is cool, having it run on things that it shouldn't run on. He didn't do that. He built a, a game inside of a pregnancy test, which in itself is kind of cool for the novelty of it, but it's not really a will-it-run-Dune test because he had to make something that would run Dune and put it into a pregnancy test. Yeah, but I think, I think the idea is just that it's that small. Yeah, it looks. I, it on that front, it looks really cool. Yeah, I. F- I was more impressed before we saw it. <laughs> now I'm just kind of like, meh. Okay. Is Elder Scroll uh, Five Skyrim uh, a eight bit game like that, or how does that? Uh, how does that? No, I mean out? Skyrim is like a. You know, Skyrim is from the like. Xbox. I mean, largely a PC game, but I think it came out. Is one BPP? It came out. PP the display that that's why it looks all black and white and green. Yeah, it's means? just yeah. Oh, very, gotcha. Very low color and pixel definition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what uh, Skyrim would look like. Let's see, Skyrim pregnancy test. Let's see what Skyrim looks like. Here we go. Wait. Oops. That looks awesome. Hey. <laughs> Turned hey. off my video feed. Um. Is this it? Oh no, never mind. We already watched this. This this this, this is, is the prank. This is Skyrim. We we this was the we, we saw the Doom one, and the second video I played was Skyrim. Oh my bad. So this is Skyrim. But rendered in like a fully 3D sandbox open world game, but just rendered in just basically black and white dots. They're both wonderfully adequate. It's like he's playing it with a keyboard, which is that's what I mean. It's just a tiny screen, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He's playing. He's playing it on a Bluetooth keyboard. Is it cool? I mean, it's the fact that it was got (laughs) like. Pregnancy tests are tiny. The fact that he got yeah. that onto a screen that yeah. small is is pretty impressive. Well, I mean, I guess for you guys, it's like, did you ever see? Have you ever seen those guys that are those people that carve really intricate 
details into the heads of pencils. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's like, it's like that. This is that for coders and, and it's not programmers. Anything like that. That takes actual artistry. All right. I want you to do all of your copy work this week on a pregnancy <laughs> test screen. You understand? That's what I'm getting at. You gotta but read all your I, shit, send all your emails on that screen. But I'm doing it on on a regular keyboard, whereas if <laughs> you're doing draw if you're if you're carving something on a pencil, you're taking something tiny and making it tinier. This is a cheat. This is a cheat. This guy is a flim flam shim sham. A cheat? Foom, I tried to help you out here. How is it a cheat? Because he's using his keyboard. But he got it on that little screen. He should you make a to, little he, keyboard on yeah. the. Uh, you should you be able should to play have it to on the pee pregnancy. on it in a certain direction yeah. to make wow. it go a certain way. Now, see, that's genius. I would love that. Here he's just using his keyboard. Flim flam shim sham. You heard it here first, folks. Kirk. Just openly does not respect uh, programming, coding, <laughs> the, the thing that literally runs our world right now. Not on Mars. Not on Mars. You think that there's no coding going into sustaining a civilization on Mars? No. Oh yeah, never mind. Dragon energy. Dragon energy. Dragon energy. Uh, the Jelly Belly founder is giving away candy factory in nationwide treasure hunt. Willy Wonka is happening in real life. The creator of Jelly Belly, David Klein, says he's launching a series of treasure hunts for gold tickets across the country, giving away cash prizes and even a candy factory as he prepares for retirement. Klein and his partner have started going across the U.S. hiding gold-style tickets in the form of necklaces in places they come across with an interesting story, according to a news release. Those who wish to participate will need to pay an entry fee of about $50 to receive a riddle to re receive a, the clue in their state. Each treasure hunt is limited to a thousand participants. The first clue will be released in Georgia on September 30th, with more being revealed in the other states following months. However, as of Tuesday morning, no tickets were available for purchase in California on the website. Winners will receive $5,000 according to the game's website, but all participants will be eligible to search for the ultimate treasure, a key to a candy factory. We're going to have the ultimate treasure hunt where the winner will receive a, will be receiving a key, a key to one of our candy factories. Klein, who is known as the Candy Man, said in a video announcing the game, each treasure hunt game will have a location and start date. We're looking for you, Charlie, out there, Klein said in a nod to Roald Dahl's classic novel, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Klein invented Jelly Bellies but sold the brand about 40 years ago, according to Fast Company. His current candy company is called Spectrum Confections. That's not an appetizing name for a candy company. It makes me think they're going to take all my money. I, this feels very cynical and jaded. And I don't like this story at all. Oh, no. Oh. I don't like this story at all. I was like, this is my, this is you like gotta, the biggest proponent of never having kids and getting rich. So when you die, you can just be this extravagant fuck who does whatever you want with it. You got, you got to unpa no unpack your opinion on this, Kirk. The, First of all, uh, everything is a nod to something else. So him being the Candyman, that's that's a self-appointed title he gave because of the song. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. No one's calling him the Candyman. It's something that he decided to call himself. Secondly, this whole nod to like, it's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, come up with something original because you just... Copying a fucking legend of a story and movie and book. So there's no originality to it. Also, 
Also, do we skip over the big important thing of like, hey, there's an, a $50 entry fee? He's not doing this altruistically. It's a fucking entry fee. I mean, the, it is capped. Well, hold on. Let's let's see. Let's see. And this. wait, wait, wait. Before before we unpack, and also, jelly bellies suck. <laughs> that's the there real. That's the real story here. All yeah. of this is fueled by some weird hatred for jelly bellies. Jelly bellies suck. Come listen to my podcast, Food Fight, wherever you get your podcasts. So let's look at this. I it's limited. Tyler. It's limited to a thousand participants. A thousand people, a thousand people per state. So he's yeah. wait. Oh well, here we go. He stands yeah. to make two point five million dollars. Exactly. Fuck off, Candyman. That's <laughs> 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 A winner's going to win $5,000. No, a winner's going to win a fucking candy factory. No, a winner will win $5,000 and will be eligible to search for a key to a candy factory. You're not going to own that candy factory yeah, that's either. Yeah, that's a detail they weirdly don't specifically say. Like, they just say you get the key to the candy factory. They don't say you don't you get to own it. And also, yeah. and also, why would you want to own it? Like, why would you? Why would you want to accept the responsibility of owning a a a, a factory? Like, you would yeah. have to. Then you would have to be in charge of like all of the property tax, and you'd have to be in charge of, payroll. The, of the payroll and like the you know the the equipment and like replacing yeah. it. Like, you would you would be accepting a huge burden on yourself. It's not just like, oh, now I have unlimited candy forever. Yeah. It's like, no, now I've now I've accepted. A a like business that I have to you are, run. You, are, you know what? You're right. You're this being sounds fucking terrible. <laughs> you are being 100 percent con. Again, <laughs> flim flam shim sham. Yeah, I, you're right. I bet. Th- I b- but but I don't think that's what it is though. I think I I think because the way that they ver- they word it, I think that you if you find the key, you probably it's probably like a thing where you can just go there and like walk in and like get a tour of it and you get like as much candy as you want and then that's it like that's probably all it is yeah but also you're you're getting all the free spectrum candy you want <laughs> that sweet sweet yummy spectrum candy that mm, we all grew up on and love eating today at halloween flim flam shim sham wow kirk, kirk really kirk really uh rained Rained on a on a Mars parade on that and one. Yeah, Spectrum Candy is basically Jelly Belly. Wait, is all of Mars sponsored by Mars Bar? Is that why? Is that why you're saying this right now? You don't I like competition. Cannot confirm nor do oh deny. Oh, oh, I will say this. You know what you can something. buy at Spectrum Confections? CBD jelly beans. There you go, Tyler. Yeah, if I'm gonna buy anything with with some form of C, uh, THC, it's gonna be actual. <laughs> you can get hemp jelly beans. I mean, CBD hey. CBD isn't THC specifically. Sorry, if I mean I'm give THC. any type of marijuana, it's gonna be THC. I mean, in the spectrum for a company, the Spectrum Confections website is way fucking shady. 
I mean, you can reach them at spectrumconfections at gmail.com. <laughs> That's their... Wait a, minute, a wait a minute. They, wait a minute. They, they do... Wait a minute. They, they exclusively sell CBD jelly beans? That's what this and company exclusively, does? exclusively, but there's more. This is, just, this is just a ploy to get seed money for his CBD company. Look at this website. If you just go to spectrumconfections.com, this is like... This, this is, is like, like a Squarespace website. This is like one of those things you click on Instagram because it's free with shipping and then you lose all of your money. I mean, I'm telling oh, you, man. This is bad. I told you. Dreams a, die hard. That's a why video, I'm here. There's a video on the website further down, an embedded video from the late night late night with James Corden. And it's like James Corden on the late, late show talking about David's newest creation. Uh... Disclaimer, we don't currently have any THC products. Our products use hemp. Nevertheless, we found this clip very funny and wanted to share with everyone. And then wow. let's see what let's see what they let's see what they're talking about here about this apparently inaccurate representation. James Corden against marijuana? <laughs> that wasn't worth the 53 cents. <laughs> no. So, so wait a minute. So this whole thing, this whole story, because as, as far as I can tell, like it is like it's, it's, the company exclusively sells CBD infused jelly beans. So this whole thing is presented as like, it's Willy Wonka in real life. And, but it's, it's explicitly not for kids. And it's, it's a company, but it's one guy (laughs) with a website and a Gmail uh, account. And considering how, (laughs) considering how small it is and how specialized the product they sell is, the quote-unquote candy factory is probably just like a small room. Yep. It's like the guy's garage. <laughs> Absolutely. I just did just some in-depth stuff he can't sell. Yep. We, we, Undercover work. We there. blew the fucking lid off of this. That's Damn. right. All, all because I hate jelly bellies. <laughs> you hear that, David Klein? You're fucking canceled, dude. <laughs> Boom. You canceled. <laughs> you canceled. Here's a story that probably won't won't fill Kirk with rage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jane Fonda says she regrets not having sex with Marvin Gaye. Jane Fonda is opening up about past relationships and past regrets. In a new interview with the New York Times, the Grace and Frankie star played a quick round of Confirm or Deny, in which she opened up about her time with various stars, including Marlon Brando and Marvin Gaye. Asked about her experience with Marlon Brando, whom she starred alongside in the 1966 drama The Chase, Jane wasn't too impressed. He was disappointing, she admitted. When asked to confirm who she most regrets not sleeping with during their early years in Hollywood, 
the 82-year-old revealed that it's not who many would think. Your greatest regret is that you've never had sex with Shea Guevara, Times reported. Reporter Maureen Dowd asked Jane, or uh, is that a question? Uh, Times reporter Maureen Dowd asked Jane to confirm, which she quickly shut down. No, I don't think about him, Jane exclaimed. Who I, who I do think about and what is a great regret is Marvin Gaye. He wanted to and I didn't, she admitted. I was married to Tom Hayden. I was meeting a lot of performers to try to do concert for Tom and the woman who was helping me do that introduced me to Marvin Gaye. Wow. Yeah, I like that story. I mean, who wouldn't want to have sex with Marvin Gaye? Nope. You kidding me? Guys, uh, but also dynamite. way to shit on your dead husband. Yeah, it's like I was with that fucker was keeping me back. <laughs> I, I was being good. Yeah. Ugh, I should have fucked it now. Marvin yes. Gaye. We all should have, honestly. Yeah. yeah, facts. Um, I I forgot this story existed. I didn't know this story existed until I didn't this moment. Either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I remember this story because it's it's in what? I remember the story because it was in the Ozzy Osbourne behind the music, but I completely forgot about it. So um, if you if you know if you if you remember watching the Ozzy Osbourne episode of Behind the Music whenever in the nineties. Who's that? Tyler? Uh, so sometime in the 80s, Ozzy Osbourne was so strung out on drugs that he tried to kill his wife, Sharon Osbourne, by choking her to death. And he was put in jail. And ultimately, she decided not to press charges. And they patch things up he got sober and um you know which led to obviously later on doing the osborne show in the in the late 90s and all that stuff um but yeah i remember i remember i remember the, i remember that being talked about that story being talked about in the behind the music uh episode of of ozzy osborne uh but they've talked about it again in a recent interview and shed more light on the situation um or more not light but just more about their personal feelings going into what or what when that happened Mm -hmm. so ozzy and sharon osborne are are reflecting on the frightening experience when he tried to kill her in black sabbath frontman's new documentary biography the nine lives of ozzy osborne the couple reflect on an infamous 1989 incident when ozzy almost choked sharon to death while on several drugs we've had a couple of fights and you can tell it was building to something you just could feel it sharon 67 said in the film i just knew it was coming it's like night and day. Ah! <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, it's like night and day, Sharon said, uh, of Ozzy on drugs. That's it. Sharon exclaim, explained that the Ozzy, that Ozzy was very rarely calm, but at this moment he was. It, was fright- it frightened the shit out of me, she said. I felt the calmest I've ever felt in my life, Ozzy, 72, recalled. It was like serenity. Everything was just peaceful. Sharon walked viewers through the night. She put her children, Amy, Kelly, and Jack, to bed and started reading a book before the No More Tears singer came in the room. I had no idea who sat across from me on the sofa, but it was my, wasn't was my husband, the talk, sh- co- the, 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 the Sharon said. 
Um, he gets to a stage where he gets this look in his eyes where his shutters are down and I couldn't get through to him. He just says, we've come to a decision that you've got to die, she added. Sharon describes how he dived at her and began to choke her. He was calm, very, very calm, and he lunged across at me, she remembered. I felt the stuff on the table and felt the panic button and just pressed it. Next thing I knew, cops were there. All I remember is waking up in Amersham Jail, and I asked the cop, why am I here? And he says, you want me to read the charge? So he read, John Michael Osborne, who had been arrested for the attempted murder of Sharon Osborne. Ozzy recalled before adding, I was very, very surprised when she dropped the charges. Um, uh, oops. Uh, it was probably the most frightened I've ever been, Sharon later added. Sharon then explained that following the near-death incident, she considered getting a divorce. Ozzy was put into a treatment facility for six months. During that time, she said, was really lonely without him. She was lo really lonely without him. I was looking at all the options left in my life, she said. I was looking at everything. What is going to be the best for my kids? What is going to be the best for me? I hated being without him, Sharon then added. Ozzy was very frightened when he came out and when he was in the house. He definitely watched what he was doing. He frightened himself. I had no idea this was a thing. Yeah. I don't recall. I, mean, I swear I saw that thing. I don't recall that at all. Amazed that they're still together. Yeah, it, it's. I remember watching it, and you know, it talks about it in the show, and and you know, at the time, maybe it was my age, or maybe it was the the time period, but watching it, you know, it's presented as like this is just a dark thing that happened, and it occurred, and then you know, we moved on from it, um, almost like recall, recalling, like it was, it was, it was presented in a way like you would say recall like a horrible car accident you were in or mm -hmm. the time you were mugged or something it was just a thing that happened in a dark time that is in the past or whatever uh so you know you didn't you didn't really think about it in that way but being re-reminded of the story uh now it's like jesus like that's yeah, like right? like i can't believe that they stayed together after he tried to kill her yeah, I, like, I'm happy she's still alive and she's very successful. So I have no problem saying this. Do not do that. If you are in a relationship like that, fucking leave them. She's set. She set such a bad example for her kids as a person in general, just to stay with somebody who tried to murder her. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Like straight up murder. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, it's so weird what like you forget and like, oh, my God. Yeah. And it's just it's just weird how the stories get recontextualized cuz like I said, yeah. watching it in the episode, it was just presented as like, oh, this crazy thing that happened. It's in, like, oh, Ozzy in the, in the life Ozzie. and career of Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. But now it's like as a as a 32-year-old man, it's like he tried to murder his wife? Yeah. Jesus. Um last two stories, uh one I'll let Kirk talk about um, uh, Bruce Williamson, the former lead singer of The Temptations, dies at 49 from COVID-19. Uh, Bruce Williamson, a long-running voice of The Temptations, has died from coronavirus. The R&B singer died Sunday evening at Mountain View Hospital in Las Vegas. His business manager, Anta Ely, confirms to USA Today. He was diagnosed with COVID-19 in late August, 
Early says, weeks after having his gallbladder removed. There's no word in words in the world that can express how I feel right now. Bruce Allen Williamson Jr., the singer's son, wrote in an emotional post on Monday. I love you, Dad. Thank you for being awesome. Thank you for being loving. Thank you for being who you are. We will meet again. We mourn the loss of one of our brothers, original temptation Otis Williams told USA Today in a statement on Monday. Once you are a temptation, you are always a temptation. Later Monday, Williamson's son posted a live video of himself captioned, Hurt is not the word for it, in which he sang gospel songs and reminisced about his father. My dad was a great dude, he said. R.I.P. Bruce Williamson. Yes. Um, and for those who don't know, like, obviously, there's only like one original temptation left, which is Otis Williams. Everybody else, the remaining four, are basically singers that Otis Williams goes, congratulations, you're in the Temptations, let's go on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been so many different Temptations for the past 20 or 30 years since they started. But uh, but Bruce Williamson was, even though he's very young, he was like a voice. His voice was kind of killer with them. So it is a loss. R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then RIP, this just happened last night as of this recording that I found this, uh, Ronald Bell, one of the co-founders of Cool and the Gang passed away, uh, at age 68. He was actually, uh, Cool's brother. So Robert Cool Bell and his brother, Ronald, uh, Kalis Bell, they actually founded and, uh, uh, put together Cool and the Gang in the early seventies and was with them till now like they still toured and they still did shows and you know they they too had a bit of a revolving band but he was the co-founder and the uh the saxophone player for cool and the gang r.i.p it's a sad day for r&b yeah uh all right well that's the show if you like what you heard and you haven't done so yet feel uh consider subscribing if you have a friend who you think might like the show, feel free to share it with them. If you want to keep up to date with all of the news on the podcast, as well as any of the nostalgia content we share on a daily basis, you can go to Facebook and follow the official Nostalgia Facebook page. Just search Nostalgia. That's us with the blue check mark next to our name. You can also join the Facebook group, Nostalgia, um, by doing the same thing, searching in groups for Nostalgia. You can follow us on, on Instagram at Nostalgia. Um... And stay safe, stay healthy. Thanks for listening.